You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Oh, it's a victorious Monday morning show here on Birth 65. Johnny Mac making his way back from Detroit City. So we've got Jeff Curran instead with me, Jody McDonald. It's a good day to be here on Birds 365. Because the Eagles put forth a very good effort yesterday in a blowout win over the Detroit Lions. Jeff Kerr, he put money away from the, for the Super Bowl for the Eagles after yesterday's performance. The Eagle fans get real psyched up about this win. I wasn't psyched up about this win, and they won by 38. I, I, you know, it's such an enigma to me with this team. I want to see them do it against the Chargers next week, who, by the way, have lost two in a row. So... I'm not ready to punch my Super Bowl ticket yet, but I will be that guy. They are one game out of the playoff spot, and they own the tiebreaker over the team that has the playoffs, uh, the seventh seed. There you go. Uh, we can, we can uh, go positively with that, and we will over the course of today's two-hour show because tomorrow is NFL trade deadline day, and does yesterday result change Howie Roseman's thinking as to what he was doing? And you can say all you want about, oh, they didn't declare themselves a son. You move Zach Ertz, you're officially a seller. He may not say it, he might not admit to it, but actions speak louder than words, and they sold off a guy who could help them win games last week. It was the right thing to do, but them trying to deny that they weren't sellers doesn't hold any water with me. question is, will they continue to be sellers? And they may even attempt to sell and just not be able to get anything done, or they may actually believe that they're in it, as Jeff Kerr just said, quoting the uh, standings with a half a season to go, that they're still in it and actually try and add a piece. It could be very interesting next 20-plus hours leading up to the uh, trade deadline. I'd, uh, a dominant win by the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday. And, Jeff, the reason why I, I uh, at least give them their credit for their win is 
they dominated in the trenches. And that was something that those of us who are at least quasi-optimistic about the Eagles, I thought they could win eight games, which would get them close to 500, uh, was because they, they were pretty damn good in the trenches on both the offensive line and the defensive line. Well, the defensive line, this side of uh, Mr. Hargrave, has not been great at all. Oh, they were great yesterday. And the offensive line, which has had an injury issue with two, still have one with Brooks out of the lineup, got to do what every offensive lineman likes to do. Drive blocking, run blocking, just let me maul the guy standing in front of me. And it worked like a charm for Nick Sirianni. Yeah, it did. And one thing I really liked about yesterday, Jody, obviously, they what, they run the ball 46 times and thrown it only 19 something like that. It was a really high run the pass ratio and it wasn't skewed like because they were up so much. They just kept pounding the football. And that's one thing I really like what Nick Sirianni did yesterday. He said, look, we're getting five, six yards of carry here. We're just going to keep it up because they can't stop us. And good teams in this league run the football. Uh, a lot of the good teams in this league, Baltimore is one of them. Um, again, it's, it's just one of those factors that you have to help this quarterback out as much as you can. And Jalen Hurts don't care. He only threw the ball 14 times yesterday. Uh, you know, I'm sure Devonta Smith doesn't really care. He only had, what, two targets, I think, throughout the entire game, one catch for 15 yards, because the Eagles just kept moving the chains. And on defense, Jonathan Gannon actually listened to his players. Now, Fletcher Cox did get paid to cover a screen and did make a tackle yesterday, but he had a pretty good game. The defensive line, they got some extra helpers uh, on the blitz packages as well. I thought that was a big thing. Oh, and by the way, Jared Goff is not a good quarterback. He is definitely not Derek Carr. <laughs> That's certainly uh, the case. Um, I saw this stat. I think it was Tim McManus from ESPN added the um, highest percentage of running the football. The Eagles ran at 69% of the time. Their highest in 20 years. Um, excuse me. In yeah, 20 years. I remember the uh, 30 years. I remember the game the last time they ran it this much. It was against the Buccaneers in 1991. Heath Sherman himself carried it 35 times. The Eagles that they ran it 41. Heath carried it 35 times by himself because they had the immortal Brad Gable at quarterback. And Rich Kotite wanted no part of throwing the football. Gable threw two picks in 20 attempts. As a matter of fact, when the Eagles blew a 13-0 lead, lost 14-13. But that was uh, the, the most abused I've ever seen a running back in my life. To that point and since that he was asked to carry it 35 times, they spread it out nicely yesterday. Boston Scott carrying the football. Here comes Mr. Jordan Howard off uh, the practice squad to go in and tote it and get it into the end zone twice. Not only was it what Eagle fans like to see, which is a better balance of running the football to passing the football, but even amongst the backs that carried shoot, Jalen Hurts still led them in rushing with his own uh, production when he pulled it down and took off. That's the way Eagle fans like to see the Eagle offense run. Uh, I agree. And I'll tell you who was in line for a really huge game yesterday before the unfortunate injury, Jalen Ryder. Um, you know, he had two carries for 21 yards, and he almost had the touchdown there. I think he ended up with three carries for 22 yards. But they were really using Jalen Ryder, I thought, to his strengths with motion and with – you know, reverses and counters. And I, I like that about Jalen Riker. And I thought Jalen Riker was going to be in line for a huge day. But that, that kind of set the tone for what they were doing offensively. I mean, they went to Boston Scott early, and then they went to Jordan Howard. And you didn't see any of Kenny Gainwell. But, you know, Jalen Hurts, it, there wasn't a play there. He tucked it down. He ran, had that nice juke. I think it was in the third quarter yesterday. It was 
it was a well-balanced attack. And the, I, it was weird, Jody, because I'm thinking to myself, I haven't seen them run the football with this precision since probably 2003. And lo and behold, I think it was the 2003 game against the Saints was the last time they had three players have over 50 yards rushing. It was McNabb, it was Stu Staley, and it was Brian Westbrook. And lo and behold, the Eagles got three players who had over 50 yards rushing. They and they would have kept those three in. They might have all gotten over 100. Uh, another good stat that I saw, and I think I got to give credit to Reuben Frank for this one. Um, Eagles with two running backs with two touchdowns apiece. Yesterday, that was the case with uh, Boston Scott and with uh, Howard. The last time that happened, back to Wilbert. Wilbert Montgomery. You got to go all the way back to, and uh, who was the other one? I wrote it down here, and I can't even remember. Oh, Leroy, ha- yep. Leroy, Leroy Harris. The immortal yep. Leroy Harris had two touchdowns for the Eagles in a game. Now, that's before my time here in Philadelphia, and I came into town 30 years ago. Uh, I surely do remember that Heath Sherman game against the Bucks in 1991. I never saw Leroy Harris carry the football live, only on uh, CBS or whoever was doing the NFL, NFC games at that time. Yeah, this was a record-setting performance. Turn back the clock by the Philadelphia Eagles. So you got to give credit to those guys who uh, produced and carried the ball and got those touchdowns. The offensive line, who loves to do the drive blocking, they did. But most of all, even above the running backs themselves, I got to give credit to Nick Sirianni. And I know we all poked fun at him last week with his flower analogy, but I did say, show me something, coach. Show me the ability to be flexible. He was talking a good game about growth and you got to water and fertilize and everything else. And I'm rolling my eyes, but he did show me something really significant yesterday. Yeah. He showed the ability to be diverse. He showed the ability to go against quote unquote, his core values. Cause after watching the Eagles first seven games, you believe that his core values had to be throw, 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 and then throw some more. No, he went back to a running game against the team that was absolutely capable of being run against. Afterwards, he did explain that, hey, we're going to do what we need to do to win games. And that's his job is to figure out ahead of time exactly what they need to do before the game actually takes place. He went against what we've seen for the first seven games. He ran the ball down the lion's throat. That's a very good sign if you're an Eagle fan that your coach can realize, all right, if what I'm doing isn't working, then I have to be flexible and willing to make changes. And Sirianni did just that. And I like what he said in the post-game presser yesterday. It was, um, I think it was early in the presser too. He goes, well, I noticed on Monday that we could run the ball against this football team and we were going to do that. And I hope he realizes it now that the team that they're playing this week, they can run the football against because the Chargers are the worst run defensive football. And you're right, Jody. If that's what it's going to take for this team to win games, then kudos to Nick Sirianni. And, you know, people are going to be like, well, why did it take him the week eight to figure that out? I'm like, well, hold on a second. Let's back up. You know, as much as we want to get on the guy, he is a first-year head coach in the NFL who has only coached eight games. And it does take some time for these coaches to – kind of get used to the week-by-week process of the NFL. Yeah, I'm sure he wants to throw the football. I'm sure the owner and the general manager wanted to throw the football, see what this quarterback is. But the quarterback looked pretty good yesterday, despite only throwing 14 attempts. And, yeah, he didn't look great on certain pay- – but, look, they won the football game, and that's all he cares about. That's all the coach cares about. And, look, Nick Sirianni is not going to get slammed this week because he did what he was supposed to do. He took advantage of a bad defense, a really bad run defense, pound the football into the ground – and look what the offense did. They scored you know, over 40 points. Well, technically, they scored 38 points. But still, it's they 
this team scored on six consecutive possessions yesterday. I did not think we would see the Eagles do that at any point this year. And they did just that by pounding the ball down the opposition's throat. Now, we're all in a good mood. We're all talking up the air. We're all excited because they got a blowout win. I I should be the Eagle fan's favorite this week because, uh, as um, Xander, our producer, told me before the show, I, I was the only of all the Jacob Media personality guys that we have here on the channel. I was the only one to pick a blowout win. And I took the Eagles to win by 10 points. I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they won by two touchdowns. I'd love to sit here and tell you that I said the Eagles are going to win by 38. Yeah, I, <laughs> nobody saw that coming, okay? But being the guy who actually, and I said on my podcast uh, on uh, Hot Read Hits, I teased the Eagles up to 10 points. I thought they had a chance to win by double digits, and I got better than two to one odds but the, with the Eagles' favorite by more than 10. So I had a very good day with the Eagles yesterday. That being said, the Detroit Lions are terrible. And I guess I was the only one who acknowledged that and realized that before the game was played. They beat the snot out of the worst team in the National Football League. And that is a league that includes the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's only one team that hasn't won a game yet, and that's the Detroit Lions. And the Eagles needed to put the beat down on them. They did just that. More power to them. It's going to get tougher with the Chargers coming to town this week. Uh, the schedule is easier. You got a couple Giants games, a couple Washington football team games in there. And the Giants haven't lost yet this week yet. They play tonight against Kansas City. I think it's a foregone conclusion they're going to go down. But we did add some – hey, my Jets won yesterday. Couldn't believe they beat the Bengals. Uh, so uh, I, I guess I shouldn't put the L up against the Giants just yet. Yeah, I will. They're not going to win tonight. The I will Chiefs, too. Chiefs are going to beat them. Um, yeah, beating the Lions, I, I, all I'm saying is enjoy it. Feel free to celebrate it. Feel free to feel good about it. Don't get over the top uh, emotional about it because they beat the worst team in the National Football League. Yeah, I, I'm not getting too excited over this. Look, they won by 38 points yesterday. And I'm like, well, okay, yeah, they should beat the Lions. Not by 38, but they should beat the Lions. And look, I, I'm one of those people. I picked the Lions to beat them. I, I did. I picked the Lions to beat them. I thought it was, this was a terrible week for them. The, uh, the sky was falling after a terrible loss to Vegas. It, they just didn't look good. The coach didn't look like he was going to adjust. And we're hearing flower analogies. And we're getting guys like Jack Stoll, of all people, defending Nick Sirianni, which, sorry, that just doesn't move the needle for me when defending a head coach. And, you know, Jonathan Gannon was pretty arrogant on Tuesday. And I'm like, well, it just doesn't look good. And there was too much karma going in one direction. So I'm like, you know what? The Lions are going to get a win at some point because they should have had two wins before yesterday. But again, I think every Eagles fan saw that it probably watched the Lions for the first time yesterday. Oh, this is why this team's 0-8 because their quarterback isn't good. You put pressure on him. He makes mistakes. By the way, Jared Goff is 0-15 now without Sean McVay as his head coach. So uh, that, that's pretty tough. Uh, but one thing I got to give the Eagles credit for, the two guys I thought that could torch them yesterday, they shut down for the most part. DeAndre Swift, I think he only had like 29 yards rushing. He did not score a touchdown for the first time in a couple weeks. And TJ Hawkinson, I mean, yeah, he had a couple of early catches, but he didn't beat him downfield like I thought he was going to do. They, they kind of just gave him those five-yard route, and they tackled him right away. And I got to give the Eagles credit for that. And look, the Lions offensive line is banged up, but their defense is god-awful. And that's why they're 0-8. You know, their defense just can't stop anybody. And, and I'm just thinking to myself, well, okay – 
they got a big game next week against the Chargers, but the Chargers are coming in losing two in a row, and they got to go to the East Coast. So Justin Herbert's really good quarterback. They're going to have their hands full there. But as you said, Joey, the schedule does get easier. It, it does, because then you got Denver coming up, and you got to go Denver. But then you got the Saints, and all of a sudden, I know they have a, they're good. They, they're really good, but Jameis Winston is not going to be their quarterback the rest of the season. He, he's out. I Drew Brees ain't coming back. It might be Trevor Simeon for that game. So it's going to get interesting for this team for sure. Uh, first thing on TJ Hawkinson, he did have 10 catches, 10 catches, 11 targets, 10 catches. That's pretty high percentage to make the catches. 89 yards. He didn't even get to 100 yards with 10 catches. That's not a guy out of the back. That's a tight end. He's supposed to be able to get up the field some. The Eagles let him catch underneath. They tackled. That was one thing the Eagle defense did yesterday. They tackled. They're not a bad tackling team. They always leave themselves room. They just let uh, people catch it too far down the field in front of them. They push the safeties up. And, yes, Jonathan Gannon. I'm giving credit to uh, Nick Sirianni because he proved when I have to adjust, I will adjust. Same thing for Jonathan Gannon. And I was pretty critical of him uh, over the last couple of weeks against Tampa and against the Raiders that uh, he just sits in that zone defense and just uh, dies by a thousand paper cuts. Death is death is death. He didn't. He adjusted yesterday. Although none of the blitzers got home and got any sacks. He came with a couple of different blitzes from a couple of different areas. It opened things up for the other guys on the defensive line to get not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, six sacks for the Eagle defense yesterday. That's a tip of the cap to Jonathan Gannon, because much like Nick Sirianni, he talked the talk. He had faith in his, his system. I don't have a system. We're going to – well, no, it looked the same to me every single week for the first seven weeks. He mixed it up yesterday. He showed some flexibility. That's a good sign for the Eagles defense going forward. Yeah, it's almost like the Eagles did not face Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Derek Carr, or a really good quarterback this week, and it kind of helped. But you're right, Jody. He did make the adjustments. You know, he didn't play his safeties as deep as he could. And I think that that's more of – look, you guys have what? Khalil Raymond at receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown? These two ain't beating us. They're not. You know, th this isn't Mike Evans, Chris Godwin going up against them. This isn't Henry Ruggs and Byron Edwards. Uh, you know, this is – this is who the Lions are. They are very weak at receiver. They probably have the worst receiving core in the National Football League. And John Fagan said, you know what? You're going to beat us. You're going to you're gonna have to get the ball out quick. And Jared Goff just couldn't do that. They got him out of his comfort zone. And next thing you know, Josh Wett's having two sacks. And I, I had not noticed until yesterday, Javon Hargrave was the only Eagles player with over two sacks until, right. until Josh Wett had two yesterday. So... Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I think it was the Eagles' first time they had six sacks in the game since 2011 or something like that. It was definitely a day where the defensive line got the feast on Jared. And look, the, the Lions had no big V. He was out. Taylor Decker's been out. Uh, I, I mean, they're, they're just beat up on the inside. Oh, and by the way, Panay Sewell, I think he's going to be a good prospect in this league. Josh Wett and Derek Barnett, they kind of beat him to shreds yesterday. They welcomed him to the league in a big way. They did, and that's uh, kudos and credits to Jonathan Gannon um, because he showed the flexibility to be able to do different things, but it was an alliance. I, I'm sorry, Eagle fans. I must come back to this every, oh, I don't know, 5, 10, 20 minutes on the show. I'll try not to do it too often, but the truth is the truth. They beat up the worst football team in the national, the worst squad in the National Football League. That's the Detroit Lions. So win is a win is a win. Three and five and three and five is not terrible. 
Will Howie Roseman, this is what we're going to discuss with our first guest when he joined us. Will Howie Roseman do a 180 and turn into a buyer at the trade deadline tomorrow afternoon? Because give me the stats about the Eagles playoff positioning as of right now, Jeff Kerr. Well, you want the good news or the bad news? I want the good news. All right. Well, the good news is they're only one game out of the Carolina Panthers. Oh, and by the way, they beat the Carolina Panthers and they would tie them. They would own the tiebreaker. Now, here's the bad news. They are 11th in the playoff standings. There are a couple teams ahead of them, and one of them beat them, the San Francisco 49ers. So, again, it's all hope is not lost. That's all I'm saying, Jerry. The only the other problem that is a reality is the Dallas Cowboys with Cooper Rush rallied to get a win last night. I thought they were dead in the war. I loved the Cowboys all week. Because I thought Dak Prescott was going to play. I had heard that, all right, he's not practicing, but he's feeling better and he's talking a good game. And then as the week went on, people started to believe he wasn't going to play. The line went from Cowboys minus a point and a half to the Cowboys giving a point and a half to Cowboys getting four points. The line moved over five points. I jumped on it too because I think the NFC North stinks and – I was right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, I don't know if Cooper Rush can beat that or not, but I'm, I'm going to take Cowboys in this one straight up. Oh, man, I cash in last night. Yeah, and Cooper Rush with a late touchdown pass to Amari Cooper won. So, yeah, the Cowboys are going to win the NFC. Sorry to say to Eagle fans, they're just not going to give up the division. They've got, as of right now, one loss. The Eagles have five. The Redskins have six. And the Giants will get their six one tonight. So, yeah, I'm thinking the Cowboys are in pretty good stead. By the end the, of the night, the Eagles division. will be in second place in the NFC East if the Giants lose. Yeah, second place. Not the worst place in the world to be. All right. Uh, he is Jeff Kerr. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Birds 365 guys today. Johnny Mack coming back from Detroit. He'll be back on the show here tomorrow. Coming up next, we talked to one of our faves. Uh, covered the Eagles forever. Still doing work. Now he's working with McMullen. I uh, feel badly about that. But uh, our buddy Paul Dunwich joins us next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. 
What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. The live Eagles post game show after yesterday. Glenn, some smiles on the faces of the crew here on the Jacobs uh, YouTube channel. Jody McDonald and Jeff Kerr, your Bird 365 guys on this Victory Monday. We are lucky to be joined by our buddy Paul Domwich doing some work from Philly Mag these days. Um, got to watch the game from the comforts of his own couch yesterday, which is never a bad thing. Uh, Damo, what? point did you say all right i can hit the man if i gotta hit the men's room i can go now this game is over i don't have to worry about missing a big play uh pretty early yeah <laughs> it became pretty clear that even you know as bad as the eagles defense has been that detroit was not going to be scoring many points uh uh yesterday so yeah paul it looked early on that the eagles really wanted to set the tone running the football and i knew when I kind of knew this was going to happen when Boston Scott scored his first touchdown with ease, and it just seemed to snowball from there. Yeah, I mean, they just decided, uh, and rightfully so, knowing uh, Detroit's defense to just – they were going to go out there, and, and as long as they were – you know, didn't fall behind early, they were just going to pound the ball. I mean, everything was uh, – mo- you know, most of their runs were, were were between the tackles with Scott, with, with Howard. They didn't use Gainwell much until the end, I think mainly because – that's not what he does best. I mean, running up the gut. I mean, they, they wanted power runners. Uh, and it, it was just, you know, I mean, it was a game we're not going to see again in our lifetime. Uh, 16 pass attempts. Uh, I believe the last time the Eagles had that few pass attempts was 1995. Uh, 46 rush attempts. Uh, I think 2013 was the last time they had that many. So, you know, I think we're going to see a, a – a similar template, at least hopefully uh, this week against another team that can't stop the run, but that's going to be dictated largely by whether the defense can slow the Chargers offense down. So, but uh, yeah, it was uh, for all the people that have been after Nick to run the ball. That was, (laughs) he, he gave them what they wanted yesterday. A little bit of a tougher task next week against Justin Herbert than they had against Jared Goff. Agreed on that front. Uh, But they did score a touchdown right off the bat the same way they did the previous week against the Raiders. Last week against the Raiders, they allowed the Raiders then rip off 30 consecutive points. This week, uh, no such uh, being the case. 
Jared Goff was a pretty damn good quarterback when he was with the Rams. I thought that they was starting off a pretty good career. I thought we we're going to have this great comparison between uh, Carson Wentz with the Eagles and Jared Goff with the Rams. Good luck. Neither one of them where they were to start their careers. What's happened to Jared? Was it just the fact that the, the Rams were that good and he had that many weapons around him? How has this guy gotten so bad so fast? Yeah, I mean, the statistics were comparable, but when, when Sean McVay was that qu uh, quick to make that trade, you knew, you know, Sean McVay is pretty smart. Uh, you know, Matt Stafford is is just absolutely putting up numbers that are not of this world out there with the Rams now. And Goff, well, Goff doesn't have the cast he had in the Ram uh, with the Rams, which hurts, uh, you know, so, but he just doesn't even look like the same quarterback uh, that he did when he was playing well with the Rams. I mean, yesterday, all he could do was throw the TJ Hawkinson uh, or get sacked. Uh, you know, the Eagles turned up the heat. They were more aggressive. Uh, you know, Jonathan Gannon shook up his linebacking core. I mean, Eric Wilson was inactive. Alex Singleton, I think, played the, the 20 snaps compared to uh, TJ Edwards and, uh, and Davion Taylor. So, they were much more aggressive, uh, you know, filling holes, uh, not allowing people to get to the second level on them. And, you know, you know, Josh Sweat and the, and the defensive line were just great. They, they played really well yesterday, their best game of the season. Yeah, Paul, one of the interesting tidbits I have with the Lions team was I thought they played hard under Dan Campbell through their first seven games, even with the record. Yeah. Yesterday showed signs of – I don't want to say they were checking out, but they're like, again, like – by the way, this was a football team that we know we had a chance to beat. Did it feel that way to you as the game was going on? Yeah, Jeff. You know, I mean, I was one of those guys. I mean, I like Dan Campbell. I, I, I've known him since he was a player. He's a tough guy. I thought he would be – I think he's going to be a good coach. And for a long time there, I mean, this team was playing hard, and they were playing well. I mean, they, they lost two games to good teams by two points, uh, you know, on last-second field goals. Uh and then yesterday happens and, and you get to, you know, you get to the third quarter and it looked like they just, you know, cashed out. I mean, it, there were some players that didn't look like they wanted to be there. Uh, I, I'm assuming that, that they're going to, you know, a lot of them after when they look at the film, uh, Dan Campbell is going to be reading them the riot act. Cause I don't think this team, you know, he's going to allow this team to quit on them. If, if it does, he'll find better, he'll find new players that won't quit on them. Um, but you know, it, it for the Eagles, it was a good day to have Detroit do that and not bring their, their A game like they did against Baltimore and some of the other teams they've played tough. Donald, one of the things I want to know from yesterday's game was, despite Boston Scott stepping into the lead back role, and he looked pretty damn comfortable doing it, despite Jordan Howard coming out of mothballs in the practice squad, getting into the end zone twice, good for him. Eagles leading rusher was still Jalen Hurts. He still led the way with 71 yards. And although uh, you're going to look at his passing numbers and go, well, Jalen Hurts was along for the ride yesterday. He did nothing. Incorrect. His 71 yards on the ground were a key to the Eagles being able to win the football team. Will he get the credit he deserves for that? Well, I mean, a lot of people don't want him to run. I mean, there are just a lot of people still that believe a quarterback, you know, all you're going to do is get your quarterback hurt in that situation. Uh, I don't agree. I mean, it's 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 one of his assets. It's no matter how much his passing game develops, and you know, you would hope it's going to develop here because it still has a ways to go. His ability to do what he did yesterday still is something you you know that 
very few quarterbacks in this league can do. I mean, right now, I think he had four more rushing first downs yesterday out of those 70 yards. Uh, so that puts him – I mean, he's, he's the only quarterback in the league with, with more rushing first downs is Lamar Jackson. Lamar, right? And it's close. Uh, so, I mean, you need that from him, especially now when it's – you know, I, I, you still want to see him when he goes to extend the play to the right. You kind of like him to complete a pass now and then. You know, we haven't seen that lately. Uh, I think yesterday it was kind of nice to, you know, him and Goddard developed some chemistry yesterday. I think uh, they had, I think Goddard finished with six catches. Uh, so he's, there seems to be a comfort level developing there. Um, but, and I haven't seen, you know, the, 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 the all 22 tape doesn't come out for a couple of days. Um, but you could see even on the, on the telecast and the, and the replays that, that, Jalen missed some receivers occasionally. Like he, you could see that he should have been able to find some people open underneath that he didn't, or a check down, and that'll come. I mean, I think he's, I think he's going to keep getting better. But back to your original question, Jody, that that running ability is going to be important now. It's going to be important in week seventeen. It's going to be important next year if he's still the starting quarterback. Yeah, Paul, I, I kind of want to elaborate on the Jalen Hurts thing. Like when I was going down social media in the fourth quarter yesterday people were still criticizing this quarterback and he was out of the game. They're like, well, they're running to disguise the fact he can't throw or, you know, this it's his 12th career start. We're tired of hearing that. I'm like, you know, what does this guy need to do? Like he, yeah. he can't help it. He threw 14 passes and they won yesterday. It's, I, I just don't understand. What do fans want in this guy? Yeah. I, I, I don't know either, Jeff. I mean, people need to go back and look at the, the, the stats of quarterbacks in this league and, and good quarterbacks after 12 starts. And you'll see that there's not much of a difference between what they did uh, stat wise after 12 games and what Jalen's done. Uh, you know, he's had some good moments and you know, he's be, he'll be the first to admit. And so will Nick Sirianni that he's got a lot long way to go with regard to improvement. But I mean, I think that's knowing his intelligence, knowing where his background, I mean, a coach's kid, uh, and, and the offenses, you know, he's played for six in six different offenses in six years. Uh, I think he's going to keep getting better. Uh, and, you know, I don't I don't think we'll be seeing the same questions asked a year from now, assuming he's the starting quarterback that we're seeing now. And another thing that I will give to Jalen Hurts uh, credit and also gives a little bit. I don't think yesterday was a game where everybody's going to say, well, he's our quarterback for the future. I don't believe that happened, but just keep this in mind. On several plays yesterday, they had him under center, and he actually faked the handoff. An actual play-action pass, not an RPO, which is different, but an actual play-action pass. Lo and behold, a wide receiver who's wide open that he delivered the football to without issue. They had not done that almost at all in the first seven games. Everything's got to be out of shotgun. Everything's got to be an RPO. Actual play-action passes work. When you try them, Nick Sirianni, he did so yesterday, was successful with it. And Jalen Hurts did a good job of selling it, in my mind. I mean, this offense is evolving, guys. Uh, and Nick Sirianni is trying to figure out what, like you do with every quarterback, what uh, Jalen does best, what he's most comfortable with. You know, we saw the same thing with Carson. I mean, Car- you know, there were Carson fought on a lot of things he didn't feel he was good at or comfortable uh, throwing. Uh, it took even the 2017 after after he got hurt with Nick. I mean, they had to throw a lot out uh, going into the playoffs before they realized this is what Nick can do. 
you know, Nick has the, a playoff for the ages uh, because, you know, he was good at RPOs, which is ironic because he can't run. And people think you have to be able to run to run RPOs. Uh, but so it's, you know, it's, you know, Nick's still in that process of, and, and Jalen's still in the process of trying to get him, the two of them get on the same page and figure out how do you maximize his talents? Well, Jordan Howard yesterday, I, I forget what the final numbers were. I think it was like 10 carries, 55 yards, something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, I think it was on his second carry. Really, Howie? It took you seven weeks to promote this guy? Like, what, what were they doing? I have no idea. I mean, he looked good yesterday. You know, I don't think Nick uh, has – until yesterday when – and I think it's the reason Boston Scott hasn't played a lot either is – you know, they brought they bring power uh, to the offense, and I don't think Nick had that as a high priority. I mean, he wants guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, Boston can, but it's not his strength. I mean, his strength is what he did yesterday, just pound the rock. Uh, Jordan Howard really isn't a very good pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, so I think that's why those two guys were kind of like one wasn't being used and the other wasn't even on the roster. But I think yesterday they realized, well, especially with Miles out, you know, you can't you can't do that with Gainwell. So at least one of them's going to be see a lot of action here until Sanders gets back as as the guy that takes the ball between the tackles. Damo, uh, Howie Roseman, not the most popular figure here in town. Uh, I know it was just four years ago that he won the Super Bowl, but uh, he has fallen out of favor with most Eagle fans, which is not a surprise. Uh, I get a bunch of calls on WIP about fire Howie, Howie's got to go. I try and be balanced in my evaluation of Howie. I give him credit for what he does well, which is salary cap management and playing the salary cap game. I question Howie where he needs to be questioned, his ability to draft. Well, his strength of being able to play the salary cap game he may have dropped the ball here. Uh, Dallas got to look very good yesterday since Zach Ertz left, and he is now the unquestioned TE1 and is getting that many more targets and making that many more plays. Every time he catches a ball, I hear a cha-ching in the back of my head uh, that he's going to get paid, and he's going to be paid that much more. Did Howie Roseman drop the ball by not getting Goddard done to a contract extension uh, before he traded Zach Ertz? Well, he tried. Um so, and, and since we weren't in the room and I haven't heard the numbers, you know, we don't know what he was, you know, what their best offer was. Uh, my guess is Dallas and his agent realized that it's, you know, his value was only going to keep getting better, whether Zach stayed or, or, or left. And so it was, it didn't benefit them aside from the fact that, you know, I mean, the, the main thing a football team has as far as the incentive to get a guy signed early, especially a guy with an upside like Dallas is the fear of getting hurt. I mean, if Dallas tore his ACL, suddenly his value is not anything like it. It will be if he stays healthy and keeps playing like this. So, and I think Dallas just decided to roll the dice. He said, you know, I'm going to be very rich, whether it's here or someplace else after the season. And unless you're going to make me like a, a, an offer, I can't refuse, which they didn't, um, you know, I'm going to walk away. And I also think as good as Dallas is, this team's kind of in a transition here from a, a team that played a lot of 12 last, you know, under Dallas, under Doug Peterson and, and where Dallas had a big role and still will, but they, they just love those young receivers. And so you got to think ahead to where you're going to put your money in two, three years. 
so, I mean, I, I, they want to keep Dallas. I think they think he's going to be a very important part of this offense, but they weren't going to overpay him. And, and so now they wait until these seasons over to, to get a deal done. Yeah, speaking of the young receivers, Paul, uh, Jalen Rager, I thought was en route to maybe his best game in the NFL. Looked like he was going to have a promising day, then had the unfortunate injury. Uh, what did you like How what the Eagles were doing with him prior to the injury? Well, I mean, they, they got him in space uh, and used him uh, not like, you know, not like you'd expect. I mean, it was mostly as a runner, uh, jet sweep, a uh, couple of uh, other plays uh, similar to that. Uh, but that's how, you know, that's, a, I mean, coming out of college, you knew that was the best way to use Jalen Rager. Just get him in space, bubble screens. You know, he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to, Set, he, he wasn't going to set records, uh, you know, running down the field, even though he has speed, even though that's one of the things that attracted them. He wasn't going to catch 10 balls a game unless they were like short bubbles and stuff like that. But that's how you want to maximize them. And, you know, they started doing that yesterday and then he got hurt. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know the severity. I got a feeling it's pretty serious. That is unfortunate because he did make a couple of good, good plays early in that game. All right. Well, I'm flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, giving Nick Sirianni credit for showing his flexibility. Same thing goes for Jonathan Gannon. His defense looked way too similar week in and week out for the first seven weeks of the season. He adjusted. He made some different reads into his defense yesterday, including bringing a blitz every once in a while, which they had done very little in the first couple of weeks of the year. We know that Philadelphia Eagle fans love the blitz. And even though none of the blitzers got home, it did open things up for the defensive lineman. Six sacks yesterday. Should we be getting overly excited about this or should we chalk this one up to, yeah, the quarterback like the whole lion theme is not very good. Jared Goff can't get away from a rush. Uh, how excited should Eagle fans be with the six sack game yesterday, Damo? Well, I mean, it definitely was a step in the right direction uh i mean you need they need that pass rush or everything else falls apart because the rest of their defense is not that particularly strong i think we'll get a better gauge this week against a better offense on whether jonathan gannon intends to continue to be this aggressive whether he's going to continue to throw in some blitzes whether he's going to continue to have his linebackers attack more and try to try to get uh into the backfield um but we won't, you know, we won't know until Sunday. I mean, against the against the Lions, I think he he just felt we can do this, even if it backfires, even if some of this stuff doesn't work, uh, it, it will be okay. But uh, you know, the Chargers are pretty good offense. Justin Herbert is a, a lot better against the blitz than than Jared Goff. So, but we'll see Sunday how what what Gannon does and how it works. Paul, the Eagles decided to not play Eric Wilson yesterday. You know, one of their big free agent signs, inactive eighth game of the year. Anthony Harris was out yesterday, but Kayvon Walls and Marcus Epps, they, they played pretty well. I know it was the Lions, but do you think we could see a trend here with some of these guys that they brought in this all season just not playing as the season goes on? I, yeah, I mean, you know, I give them credit. Uh, these are guys that the Gannon liked, uh, you know, and, and had an influence on how he's signing. And – they haven't been playing well. Harris hasn't been playing well. Wilson has just stunk the, up the place. Um, and, and they had no hesitation to sit him down. So, I, you know, I, I give, I give Gannon a lot of credit for that. He realized I got to go to some, I got to make some changes. Uh, so, and, and then those were two good moves to make, you know, there's, there's a few other people that I'm still, I'm waiting for him to, to kind of 
you know, Ryan Kerrigan's bringing nothing to the table, uh, guys like that. But, but you know, the people you need to play well, Sweat, Cox played a little better yesterday. Josh, uh, or Derek Barnett played well. Uh, even Davion Taylor. I mean, it's, you know, if, if that kid can develop, and I still question that because he just doesn't have, he's not, an, he just doesn't have, as for all his speed, he's not a very instinctive player and, and, and didn't, you know, he never played in high school. Uh, wasn't much of a difference maker at Colorado, uh, but maybe maybe the light's going to go on here and he's going to turn out to be a decent uh, player for them. But uh, yeah, I was happy to see those moves by uh, by Gannon. Need your take on this one, uh, Damo. You've been covering Eagles for a lot of years in locker rooms. Unfortunately, nobody gets in the locker room after the game anymore, so you can't get a feel yeah. on the players the way you used to. But uh, I know that you've experienced this before. I, I say this all the time in all sports. If you're going to have a successful season, every team wants and needs a blowout win where you just have the game decided by three quarters, sometimes as early as half. I'd say by halftime, yes, I was pretty damn sure the Eagles were going to win. But there's a juncture in the game where you go, all right, this one's over. And it allows the coach to use the guys who don't get a lot of time into a game to get them out there to get them in football snaps uh nba it's minutes baseball it's at bats whatever it turns out to be but it gives you the chance to use some guys because you need your whole team to be able to win the eagles got that yesterday am i overstating the case that this can be a positive when you have a game where you just stomp on the opponent and you allow everybody to contribute in some some way way shape or form it helps you going forward do you think that's the case with the eagle win yesterday I think it's helpful. You know, I think it was helpful to get Minshew in uh, for a few snaps. I also think, you know, not many people have dwelled on the fact that this is a 17 game season this year for the first time ever. Uh, and, you know, I think you saw it in Dallas with the decision to, to not play uh, Dak uh, Sunday. You know, would they have in a 16 game season? Probably. Cause I think that calf injury is a little more serious than we think. Uh, but you know, I, you, you've got to pace yourself. And when you have a game like this that affords you that opportunity without having to make hard decisions and sit guys down just for the sake of sitting them down and getting them some rest, it's very beneficial. And and, and you're going to need – plus, you, you never know who's going to get hurt down the road here. Uh, so I think it's good that, you know, all of their backup offensive linemen got more snaps uh, and and some other guys. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a plus. Well, fans don't want to hear this, but – I can tell how some players think sometimes. And if you look at the standings, Jay Mack and I were talking about this today. They are one game out of a playoff spot, and they own the tiebreaker against the team who has that terrible seven seed in the NFC. Uh, do you think this changes Howie Roseman's thinking this week in terms of, okay, maybe I, I might try to add somebody in here to make this roster a little bit better? Yeah. I wouldn't think so, Jeff. I don't, you know, I can't imagine who out there, you know, he's not, he doesn't want to shake things up too much uh, because it's, it's such a, a remote possibility. I mean, but they, they went into this season with the attitude that initially I think they thought, well, okay, we're just going to completely rebuild. We're just going to, you know, bite the bullet. Then they realized, you know, we've got some, uh, you know, we've got, we've got a, a pretty good offense, you know, a lot of offensive skill position people, uh, a good offensive line if it stays healthy, you know, maybe we can, you know, if things fall right, maybe we can be in the mix come uh, December. And I think that's where they still are because, you know, you look at their schedule right now. Uh, it's not, I mean, they, they've gotten through the hard part. 
So, you know, if you're, if you're Howie, you're sitting there thinking you're going to be, you know, you're going to have more days like yesterday than like the week before. So I'm sure his optimism right now is that uh, they can, they can contend for a playoff spot, but I don't expect them to make any moves before the Tuesday deadline. Damo, uh, Jeff Lurie just texted me and he said he wanted to remind you, it's not a rebuilding year. It's a transitional <laughs> year. There's a difference. You got to make sure you get that right. Um, I hope that Howie stays the course. I hope he still sells within the next 20 some odd hours. Trade deadline, 4 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. A couple of guys I got no issues with if they move. Derek Barnett. No, he got a sack yesterday. First sack in 12 games for Derek Barnett. Way to go, Derek. Uh, see you later. Bye. If they can get a decent trip. And we had fun with this with uh, one of Jeff's cohorts from CBS Sports last week suggesting the Eagles could get a, uh, a third and or a uh, third that could elevate to a second for Derek. Bar- no chance. No shot. No. But that's what I, I digress. Um, Derek Barnett, I would move. Andre Dillard, I would move. I would even be open to trading one of their cornerbacks because I know that's going to be something the team will be on the lookout for. Avante Maddox played well yesterday, got the hit on the scoop and score. Um, Steven Nelson has been really good all year long for the Eagles, and he was a really smart addition. Here's one of the places i got to give Howie credit. He waited, he waited, he waited. Guys like you and me and Jeff and, uh, and Johnny Mack, when are they going to get another starting corner? But when are they all off season? We how can they go into the camp without get? They got Stephen Nelson. They got him for a good price, and he's played really well. See you later, bye. I trade him this week if they got the chance. Damo, I'm an all sale guy. There's one thing to add players, which I don't think Kyle's going to do. I think he's also negligent if he doesn't sell. Is he going to sell over the next day and a half? Well, I don't know what you're going to get from most of those guys. Uh, nothing that would. I mean, you're talking sixth round picks mostly. Um, you know, what do you, who you, you, the only guy I thought that might have a chance at going here in the last few weeks was Andre Dillard, because I thought if a team really, if a playoff team really fell into some problems with at tackle, I mean, Dillard was, a, was an option. And so you might be able to get them to overpay. But other than that, um, you know, their corners, I mean, Avante Maddox is untouchable. You, I mean, you, that's the one guy you don't want to give up a young guy that, that is playing well, that can, can play that slot pro- or safety for the next, you know, five, six, seven years. Uh, you, if you traded Darius Slay, it would be a spirit killer for that defense. I mean, that's, he's just a, a guy you don't want, you don't want that would, that would send the wrong message in the locker room. Steven Nelson. Sure. But Steven Nelson, you can get a seventh round pick for uh, Derek Barnett, nine, what's he got? He's, he's being paid $10 million right now. Everybody knows you're not going to resign him. Uh, he's not going to make a difference for a team this year, really. Um, so, you know, everybody's probably saying, well, we'll get him, we'll get him on the back end when he becomes a free agent in March. So I just don't know what, I, I don't know what options they have there. Uh, Jody, I did. Let me, let, let me give you a hypothetical. Let's say someone is desperate for a uh, slot corner. And they offer you a three for a Monte Maddox. You pulling the trigger? They're not going to offer you a three, but if they did, I still wouldn't do it. I, I like this kid a lot. Okay, good. Uh, he just he just adds. I mean, not only his is. I mean, that's a hard position to fill. Uh, not everybody can play slot corner, and and he's he just adapted well to it. He's 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 got that short space quickness, that toughness to be able to play the run inside. Uh, and, you know, he's just the kind of guy you want on your team going forward. 
Um, so I, I, w- I mean, if somebody offered me a three, maybe I'd think about it, but I, I'd probably say thanks, but no thanks. Well, I'm looking at the state of the NFC, and I watch way too much football for my own good. But <laughs> there, there are a lot of bad teams in this guy. Everybody wants to talk about the top heavy teams. I'm looking at the Bears, the Vikings, the 49ers. There's just a lot of bad teams here. What if you're the Eagles front office? You got to be thinking to yourself that not for this year, but you know, 2022, 2023, we could compete. Like, how do you think that shapes all that shapes up that offseason going forward? Well, I mean, you mentioned a lot of those teams, and I'm sure they're looking at that as well. I mean, these are the teams we could, you know, get by to, to make, you know, win that third wild card. But I think I would hope they're aspiring a little higher, uh, looking at Tampa Bay, the Rams. And typically, Howie and, and Lori have done that going through the years, even when Banner was here. They look at the top teams and try to replicate them. Uh, and, you know, they're still got a ways to go. Uh mainly because they've got to settle the quarterback position first, decide whether this is the guy or not. Um, but it, there, there is some hope. But, you know, right now the NFC is a tougher tougher conference than the AFC. So, um, you know, but, it, it you know, we're going we're gonna to learn a lot about this team in the next three, four weeks. I mean, we're gonna, that's when we're going to find out what really is here, what they need to do going forward. Domo domino effect question here. I don't believe Jalen, uh, excuse me, Deshaun Watson is going to be traded to the Eagles over the next day and a half. Right. There's a small chance he could be traded. It's not going to be here to Philadelphia, but even that is a very small percentage. Uh, Deshaun Watson's not going to get dealt between now and four o'clock tomorrow, is he? I can't imagine it. I mean, you know, it's funny. Everybody that you know, like with Miami and Carolina, it's. They're interested, but only if he settles the tw- the 22 <laughs> suits against them. Like, that's not going to happen anytime soon. It's not going to happen next year. It's probably not going to happen a year after unless he wants to go bankrupt. Uh, so, I mean, I don't understand how anybody is close to trading for this guy. Yeah, I, Paul, adding on with Deshaun Watson here, it, it just seems like – and yesterday was a perfect example. Like, Miami loses their seventh in a row – and the head coach, all he has to do is answer questions about Deshaun Watson. Like, they're not even answering questions about his team at this point. He goes, I'm, I, I actually think he got thrown a curveball in there because he was asked about his job. And he goes, well, I'm not really worried about that right now. I'm worried about getting my players better right now. But it just seems like this Deshaun Watson stuff is really clouded in what I felt was a talented Dolphins team all year. Yeah, I agree. It, it, does, it doesn't do our uh, profession um, – it doesn't help our profession when these are the questions that are, are focused on coaches uh, in, you know, in these press conferences or, or even, you know, I mean, the people that were asking, well, is Nick Sirianni on the firing line? I mean, come on. <laughs> Nick Sirianni's not going anywhere right now. He's not going to go anywhere after the season. He's here for multiple years, at least two. Uh, you know, same thing with Howie. I mean, Howie's job isn't in jeopardy right now as much as everybody would like it. As, as much as he hasn't done a good, a particularly good job since 2017. Uh, but, you know, people kind of get bored with the, with what's going on, that they're, they're covering a bad team. So they kind of change the focus to something else. All right, Damo, last question. It's kind of a hypothetical look in a crystal ball one for you. Um, and I thank the Eagles for not only winning yesterday, but getting to a blowout position where I actually could turn the game off or spend more time when I flip to the uh, uh, red zone to watch a game. 
I did that yesterday, and lo and behold, here's Carson Wentz. Um, got the ball in his own end zone. He's trying to throw a left-handed pass out of his own end zone. What the hell was he thinking? Titans go ahead. Sure enough, Carson gets him back down the field. Eight of a big pass interference penalty, which was blatantly obvious. Uh, they just uh, try not to tackle the wide receiver before the ball gets there, Mr. Defensive Back. But they tie it up, goes to overtime, and sure enough, Carson throws another pick in OT. He'd only thrown one pick all year through two from the fourth quarter on yesterday. But the most important stat for Eagle fans is he played every snap of the game again. So he's now played 99% of the first eight games. So it looks like he's going to play 75%. But the Colts also lost. And now they're kind of buried in that division behind the Titans. They're still, I guess, in the wild card mix. How? Give me a percentage confidence level. Carson Wentz is going to play enough snaps that the Eagles are going to get a first-round draft pick. You know, that he came back from that ankle, two ankle injuries was, I mean, I didn't expect that. And he didn't miss a, a game. Uh, you know, I, I think he's going to play the 70%. I don't think that's going to be a question. I think the question is how high the pick will be. Indianapolis is – I mean, Tennessee's a good team. I mean, Tennessee could end up in the Super Bowl, uh, in my opinion. Uh, probably not, but I mean, they're going to be a contender there for the, one of the final four spots in the AFC. So I think that pick's going to drop a little bit. I, I think probably Indianapolis is going to be like a nine and eight, uh, maybe even a 10 and seven team might even contend for one of the wild card spots. So you're looking at a more of a middle of the pack pick, but still three picks in the first round. One's going to be Miami, which is going to be very high and, and the Eagles, you know, probably somewhere in the, 10 range. So, you know, we get back to putting our trust in Howie. <laughs> I know that's scary, but, uh, you know, they better, they damn well better be uh, scouring. Uh, and, you know, between now and, and the end of the college football season and then the, uh, you know, the, the, the workouts and the combine, they better be doing their homework. Well, I got one for I got one for you, quick. So when Carson went through the end zone interception, I saw Rob Body got everybody riled up yesterday. He was like, "Oh, that was a smart decision because because if he fumbles it, if it's a safety, they don't get the ball back." And I, I was like, uh, "You know, it, he's not wrong in theory." And uh, I was just like, "Okay, well, whatever. I, I'm not thinking that far ahead." But did you think that was the right decision? No, I actually didn't see that uh, part of the uh, game. I forget what game I was watching at the time, but uh, um, yeah, you know, you know, the, the thing with Carson is, I mean, everybody kind of is, is, is rewriting history here. Uh, nobody, nobody questioned whether he could play, um, whether he's a talented quarterback. I mean, it was his decision to leave. He, he said, I don't want to be here anymore. And so then, you know, and I, I you know, I, I fault him for that because he's, he wasn't strong enough to, to deal with, Philadelphia and, and and everything that came with it. He he looked over his shoulder at Jalen. All the things I thought would never bother him bothered him. Uh, but as far as him being a quarterback, I mean, he he's a Pro Bowl quarterback, and you know uh, that he struggled like he did yesterday and made some stupid mistakes surprises me more than the fact that he what he's been doing lately and playing well there. He did not uh, play well late in the game yesterday, which caused the Colts to lose. Which, by the way, down with their three and five. They're not getting to 10 wins. <laughs> More like eight or maybe nine, which keeps them in the wild card. Right? They're not getting to 10 wins. They get wins. Tennessee the way, though. They're only two. They get to Texas and the Jaguars, so there's some wins. I'm, I'm right. taking, you got Jacksonville and uh, 
and 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 the rest of that division. Uh, who am I missing in the NFC? In the AFC South, Houston. Yeah. So uh, there's you know there's there's some easy wins. Okay, we'll see. I'll I'll take the under ten, maybe <laughs> nine, and I hope that's the case because it'll keep them in the race. Oh, they which will guarantee the they get seventy five percent of the snaps. <laughs> Damo, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on. As always, you know we're going to be tapping into you again soon enough. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Paul Domwich, uh doing works for Philly Magazine these days after covering the Eagles on the beat for a couple of decades. Always good to get Damo up with us here on Birds 365. He's Jeff Kerr. I'm Jody McDonald. We're coming back. More analysis on the Eagles' blowout. That's right, blowout win over the Detroit Lions yesterday. Keep it here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mets and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
It is a victorious Monday, Birch 365, here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Jody Mac in with you. Jeff Kerr with us today. John McMullen's uh, flight didn't line up for him to be able to hop on with us. He will surely be back here tomorrow uh, helping celebrate a big Eagles win. Big in that it was the margin of victory, 44 to 6. I uh, didn't see that one coming. I did think the Eagles were going to win. I think they were going to win handily. 44 to 6. Yeah, okay. I don't know anybody who can raise their hand and go, yeah, I had them winning by 38 points. But that's exactly what they did. And I do want to uh, stick to that mainly, Jeff, uh, because we are Birds 365. But Birds 365 is both present, future, and past. And I do want to go back into the past for just a second here uh, because I guess I annoyed uh, Debbie Rush, one of our uh, streamers, and uh, comments on the stream as well. Uh, who chastised me for picking on Carson Wentz, saying, leave Carson alone, Jody. And no, I'm not going to do that. Sorry, I'm just not going to do that because I, I was a guy who defended Carson Wentz a lot last year. When they got off to a slow start, I said, come on, it's you can put this on Carson. This is more on other aspects of the Eagles. This is on the play calling. This is on the offensive line coming apart at the seams. Come on, this isn't Carson Wentz's fault. And with every passing week when Carson played worse, I had to acknowledge that, okay, maybe I'm overly protective of this guy. Maybe I am looking at this through eagle-colored glasses, or at least Carson-colored glasses. And by the end of the year, I realized the guy was having a god-awful year, and he stunk up the joint. And I was absolutely – I was a week – as far as I was concerned, Doug Peterson was at least a week behind in pulling Carson Wentz. I would have pulled him a week earlier than he did. And I had no issues with what Doug did and how he handled Carson Wentz last year. And when Carson forced his way out of town, wasn't the Eagles trading Carson? Was Carson trading Carson and forced his way out of town? I was perfectly fine with it because I had lost all faith and confidence in the guy. And I still have. I, I know that he won a couple of games in a row for the Colts yesterday. And he made some big plays, helped them get out to a 14-0 lead. But he made two god-awful decisions. I don't care what Rob Motti says. You can't throw the ball up for grabs at your own end zone. Left-handed. <laughs> he got uh, bailed out a little bit by a pass interference penalty that let him get the OT. Where he got to throw another pick. His strength so far this year had been he's cut down on the, uh, the picks. He went right back to being old Carson Eagle style yesterday. Um, I'm sorry. I, I just lost faith in Carson Wentz. Uh, where are you at with Carson Wentz as of right now, Jeff Kerr? So I was a guy, I really liked the pick when they made it, obviously. And, you know, I totally thought he was going to be the franchise quarterback. I'll tell you when I soured on him. You and I would have had a great first 365 if this was around last year. I soured on him in 2019. I just said, you know what? I don't think this guy is as good as I thought or as Eagles fans think he is. And I think it was all the... They couldn't bear the fact that the guy Dallas took in the fourth round was way better than him at Dak Prescott. And my, I, I, I don't know when when I actually turned on him. I don't want to say I turned, but I think that Patriots game in 2019, I just said, and look, he had the great finish to the year, and I defended him, but I'm like, this guy is not an elite quarterback. He's a good quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. And I just remember getting slammed for it, and I'm like, guys, I don't think he can win a Super Bowl with this guy anymore. I don't. And that's what it ultimately comes down to. And last year, I thought they should have benched him the Browns game. Uh, when he threw that pass to, at flat to Miles, whatever it was, and 
Sayona Taka, I always forget the guy's name. Uh, the linebacker on Cleveland, uh, Sayona Takataki, or um, he picked it off, took it in the end zone. I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm done. I, I, I'm tired of the mistakes. I'm tired of the excuses. I got tired of hearing I have to be better. I was tired of Doug defending him. And it seemed like it was everybody's fault but his. And from what I gathered last year, the young players in the Eagles locker room were not fans of Carson Wentz. They just weren't. And they all seemed to like Jalen Hurts. I'm like, well, why don't we give Jalen Hurts a shot here? And they did. And, you know, Carson, you know, Paul is absolutely right about that. Don was right. Carson checked out. It was, I don't want to be here anymore. That, you know, this, this is it. Like, I, I do. I don't care who the coach is. I don't care who the GM is. I don't care if I have the best roster in the world. I do not want to be in Philadelphia. And you can blame the toxic environment all you want. But Carson did not want to be there. Carson wanted to go back to the Midwest. Carson just did not want to be a Philadelphia Eagle anymore. So we left. Uh, okay, I'm fine with that. But this year with the Colts, like, he should have thrown a couple picks last week in the win against the 49ers. And I've been giving him credit. He hasn't been turning football over. But you're right. He was Carson again yesterday. And a big game and a big spot that the Colts needed, just like over the years with the Eagles, he did not deliver. I'm sorry. I, I like Carson Wentz. I will stop worrying about Carson Wentz when the Eagles get that draft pick. Right. I, I was surprised that he was as mentally soft as he turned out to be. During the season when he got uh, removed from the lineup, I know that it's it's crushing. I know that it's something that superstar quarterbacks with the Eagles that they need to have to become superstar quarterbacks never even envision. But sometimes reality smacks upside the head. And Carson Wentz did not deal with reality well in the moment or the weeks where Jalen was starting. And certainly when the season ended, when he made it blatantly obvious he wanted to be elsewhere, uh, getting out of Dodge while the getting gets tough. That's Carson Wentz's motto. And uh, yeah, I was really disappointed with the way that he handled his own business. I was disappointed with his play because I, like you, thought he was going to be a franchise quarterback, was going to be the Eagles quarterback for a decade. Um, he wasn't. And I'm not be bemoaning the fact that he is no longer here anymore. Jalen Hurts may or may not be a uh, future NFL quarterback, a guy who stays in a place for five years. I think that's still to be determined. Some people have already made up their mind that he's not good enough. I don't know anybody who's already made up their mind who says, oh, he's the guy. There are many more that have said not. I'm dead in the middle, and I have no problems whatsoever being there. You've got all season to do that. You don't have to make uh, Deshaun Watson is not getting traded tomorrow, folks. For those of you who say they got to make the decision, because Deshaun, he's not going anywhere. He's not going to Miami. He's not coming here. He's not going to the Carolina. He's not going anywhere. So if you want Deshaun Watson, you'll get your shot him at the end of the season. You can't draft anybody from college football in the middle of the season either. So it's Jalen's job the rest of the year. Let's give him the whole year to prove what he is or isn't. Those who or you got to make your – I've seen enough. He can't play. He's not an NFL quarterback or he's the next Lamar Jackson. He's, not, he's neither of those things. He's still a TBD to be determined, and I'm perfectly fine with that. And I'm also fine with stating this today. As far as mental toughness goes, it's not even close between Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz. The Eagles are playing the more mentally tough quarterback, and I think you need that to win in the NFL right now, Jeff. Oh, I think you do too. And, you know – it, it's funny because I did the Saints-Bucks game after the Eagles game yesterday, and I'm in Sean Payton's press conference. 
I did not expect this to come out of Sean Payton's mouth, but he did, did a 97 Eagles flashback, Jody. He compared Trevor Simeon to Ty Detmer and said, mentally tough. He was ready to come in. He was ready to perform. I'm like, Ty Detmer, whoa, that's a throwback. And then I'm like, yeah, well, that makes sense because, you know, Sean Payton goes Ty Detmer. So, yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting. And, you know, I kind of see the look, compared to Jalen Hurts to Ty Detmer is insane, but – I do see the mental toughness aspect of it. Like you're asked to do something. You know, Jalen Hurts has been throwing the football 30, 35 times a game. He throws it 14 times. Devonta Smith doesn't have a good game, doesn't get a lot of targets. I think it was McMullen that asked Jalen Hurts about, you know, throwing the ball 14 times. He goes, I don't care. I care about winning. And I'm like, that's it. And, you know, he gets it. And, you know, I always saw Carson Wentz was that guy. He wanted to win games, but he wanted to win games and play well. I don't, Jalen Hurts, I don't think he cares. I, I think he looks at, you know, he's the anti Mina Kimes wins aren't a QB stat. Well, no, wins are a QB stat for Jalen Hurts. That's the only stat he cares about. We won the game. And that's one thing I like about this kid. That's one thing I think is going to help Jalen Hurts in the long run. I think that's what Nick Sirianni d- does like about him, you know. He is tough. He has a lot of fortitude, has a lot of grit. And, you know, it's it's one of those things, Jody, with Jalen Hurts. It's I, I want to give him the whole year, too. I, I am not sold on him as a franchise quarterback, but I also am not sold that he sucks. And he's not the franchise quarterback. And I got really upset yesterday when, oh, they're running the ball to hide Jalen Hurts' deficiencies. I'm like, don't the Ravens do that with Lamar Jackson every single week and he don't have deficiencies? I just don't understand the mindset sometimes. Like, you know, we went from a city where we once thought Rodney Pete, Ty Detmer, Bobby Hoying was going to be the franchise quarterback to now this guy ain't the franchise quarterback. I, I don't know. It must be a generational thing. Might be. And I will say this about Jalen Hurts as well. He's a smart guy. And there are a lot of smart football players. And you talk to them after games and they give you their quotes and the like. And, and some guys you can just tell, talk from the heart. Uh, like Jason Kelsey, you know, he believes absolutely everything he says, but you got some guys that give you coach speak and you can just tell that they're saying it because they know it's safe to say that they're, they're not giving it a lot of thought. I believe everything Jalen Hurts says, just the way that he delivers it and the way that he talks about it. I believe him when he says, all I care about is winning. That isn't just a, and you'd expect a lot of guys to say that because they're trained to say that. And that's what their coach says. And they just follow their coach's lead. But I believe it about Jalen Hurts that he'd be perfectly fine having the day that he had yesterday as long as it ended in an Eagles win. And that's the kind of guy I think you want as your quarterback going forward. And he would say yesterday, too, you know, they're, he's been saying that they're close. And he said, well, they finally did some things they wanted to do yesterday. And, yeah, you're going to say that when you win 44 to 6, you know. And it just felt like this week, especially, he really, I think he really stood up for Nick Sariani yesterday. You know, he, Jalen Hurts could say all he wants about it's rap poison social. I know he, he at least is paying attention to it. And Jalen Hurts won't respond. He won't tweet, but you kind of know he's listening. And I'm sure him and a lot of players did not like what, guys like you and me were making fun of Nick Sirianni and the flower analogy and everything else. And I really felt this whole team in general, maybe this is part of Jalen Hurts' leadership. You know what? We're going to go out and we're going to win a game for this guy. And because we're tired of hearing this guy can't do it or this, 
you know, or we're checking out on him. Well, yesterday proved, I don't care who it is. It's an NFL team. They did not check out on Nick Sirianni yesterday. Checking out on Nick Sirianni would have been losing to the Lions. And if they play well against the Chargers next week, again, it's the same thing. It's, I think this team does believe in this head coach. I, I think this team likes what this head coach provides them. I just don't know if they have the talent or not. And I don't know if Jalen Hurts is good enough yet. And, but I, I do think they do listen to this head coach. Really. I agree wholeheartedly. And I, I hear on Birds 365, I've been critical of Sirianni. I've second guessed his, his play Mer- calling and, and certain decisions that he's made. But I have stayed steadfast on the fact that I thought the Eagles played hard every single, even in blowout went late in the game. I thought they were still giving effort, which a, a first-year coach who hasn't built up any goodwill or gravitas over the course of his career can lose a locker room. I'll give you an example. Dan Campbell going forward. I know that everybody, well, not everybody, Jeff Carr being one of them, but too many people in my eyes were giving him credit for, oh, they hang tough, they play tight. And they did. I'm not trying to say they didn't. They're just bad. They were a bad team coming in. They're a bad roster. They played bad yesterday. Watch going forward. I, I fear that that's going to be the case for the Lions. I think Lions can actually go 0-17 and not win a game and get the number one pick in the draft. And if the Eagles actually believe they do need a quarterback, oh, the Lions are going to draft the quarterback. But Jared got playing the way he is. I don't care what his contract is. They will eat it going forward. If there is a quarterback that deserves to be drafted number one, and there almost always is, they get pushed to the top. It happens every year. The Lions, I think, are going to get the first crack at that guy. Sorry, Eagle fans. I know as of right now, the Dolphins pick would be the number two pick in the draft. But if you want a quarterback, the Lions are going to get their first crack at who it's going to be. I would not be surprised if Jeff Kerr, over the next couple of months, the Lions check out on Dan Campbell because – and there was the possibility it could happen here with Sirianni because he was a bit of a rah-rah guy too. Not as uh, over the top as Dan Campbell biting kneecaps, but he was a rah-rah guy. And sometimes when you're losing, that goes in one ear and out the other with players and you can lose their attention. Sirianni never had, and he surely hasn't with uh, yesterday's win. The question is now, will the Eagles actually have some momentum that they can build on? Does this kind of game give you momentum going forward? I think it does. And look, it, we want to talk about the momentum game right now. When I covered the Chargers three weeks ago, I'm thinking to myself, this team might be the best team in the AFC. And then Baltimore smacks on. They get a bye week. They get 14 days to prepare for a Patriots team. I don't think that great. And the Patriots beat them in LA. So now all of a sudden they're five and four. and Or four and four, I think. I, 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 that's right. They have the bye week. So they're four and four. And now I'm thinking to myself, Hold on a second. Now the Eagles might be able to beat them uh, because they can't stop the run. And the Patriots pounded them yesterday on the ground. And Baltimore did the same thing a couple weeks ago. I'm sorry. You know what? They're, they're charger four and three. Uh, I, again, I'm losing track of these teams with the bye weeks. So anyway, Eagles got momentum after this week's win. Now all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, we're getting a team from LA. They're sliding a little bit. Brandon Staley was the next coming the next Sean McVay. Now all of a sudden he's vulnerable. And by the way, they're going out East. And I know that, that that's an old, but it, look, it's still going to be, what time's the game journey? Is it four or is it one this week? 
Coming up, uh, four oh five game. Okay, so it will be a one o'clock game for them at you know their time. But still, it's one of those that you can see the momentum building. And this team, they showed they can run the ball. They showed they can pound the football whenever they like. They did it against Atlanta and they did it against Detroit. They should do it this week. And if they can get to Justin Herbert a bit and not allow those big plays to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, they have a shot. And you never know if they get a win like that, it could turn around their season because all of a sudden you're looking at four and five and you got Denver and you got a Saints team coming up with without Jameis Winston. I know Saints are really good, but not having quarterbacks is going to hurt that in the long run. And then you get that easy part of the schedule where you could play Giants twice and you could play Washington twice. And you just never know, Jody. It's This could be like that, I don't want to call it a get-right game, but a momentum-swinging game, even though it was only Detroit. And, Jeff, here's where you and I agree. A um, couple people. Now, I'm not saying everybody, but some people, and to a certain extent, overreact and like to elevate players a little too fast before they've actually earned it. And there are two individuals who are coming to town this week that that's the case. Number one, Coach Staley with the Chargers. Good start. Nice hire. Well-respected guy around the National Football League. Moved up the potential head coach charts pretty damn quickly. But his resume is what his resume is. That he wasn't in a power position until last year as a coordinator. Uh, that I thought that people were making him oh, the choice as the next NFL head coach. A little too quickly. Got off to a fast start. Everybody beating their chest. See, oh, Staley, those coaches that didn't get Coach Staley. Shame on the Chargers won the big battle for Coach. The Eagles were one of those teams. Everybody was questioning that. Correct. And now that they've lost two games in a row. Oh, is this Staley guy as good as we think? Yeah, he's good. But don't make him Bill Belichick because he won a couple of games or because there were so many teams that were interested that uh, interviewed him during this past offseason. Let him establish a record. Let's see what we can do in the National Football League rather than just project and predict as if uh, you know what's going to happen at a time. And to a lesser extent, and I'm a big fan, and I was when he was at Oregon, I sat uh, on my radio shows and said, this guy's making a mistake not coming out when he was a junior because I think he would have been the number one pick in the draft, as a matter of fact. He went back to Oregon. I tipped my cap to him because – he wanted to go back to school and take a shot at making it to a Rose Bowl. He felt he owed that to his teammates. It was a goal he had when he went to Oregon. He wanted to try and get there. Good for him. Guys don't make commitments like that. They all think about, let me get to the NFL as fast as possible. Let me make the most money possible. I gave him a nod for that. I thought he was crazy because I'm one of those guys. I'm going to put myself in the best position possible. Love my teammates, but sorry, I'm a number one guy. Justin Herbert wasn't like that. And and I questioned him, but I loved him for it. So he ends up going number six. He lands with the Chargers. Tyrod Taylor gets hurt. He gets an immediate chance to play. He had some really good games. He made some really highlight-type throws. Chargers didn't make the playoffs last year. But in listening people describe Justin Herbert, because he was the third quarterback taken, and he outperformed Tua, he outperformed Burrow because Burrow got hurt, People put him on a pedestal. He didn't make the playoffs last year. And he's gotten off to a nice start this year. Now they've lost two in a row. And they're not a lock to make the playoffs this year. It just annoys me when uh, individuals in the media, not all, but just generally speaking, have to be the first. They got to have the hot take. Justin Herbert is going to be the next Tom Brady. No, well, let's, can we wait till he does it? 
for a couple of years before we start talking them with these platitudes? It annoys the snot out of me. I guess that's my long and roundabout, long-winded way of saying. I got one for you. I actually saw a tweet yesterday. Well, Nick Sirianni saved his job this week. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, seriously, and people were retweeting and favoriting the crap out of it. I'm just like, guys, Nick Sirianni wasn't going to, his fate wasn't going to change where he won or lost that game. Now, you and I would be talking about it on a Monday morning, you know, where's this going from here, but... No, he did not save his job with a win over the Detroit Lions. I'm sorry. He didn't. It's, you know, I I really didn't think Nick Sirianni was going to be a one-and-done coach until he got desperate and had to play Gardner Minshew. And whatever week that would have been. Or, you know, it, he didn't make any adjustments or Jonathan Gann didn't make any adjustments. And look, I, I hype up Justin Herbert a lot, too, because he is really good. And I thought he was the sole reason the Chargers were 7-9 last year. I, you know, big Justin Herbert fan here. But... Yeah, you're right. It just seems like we're overhyping everybody. I'll give you one, Jody. Your boy, Mike White, on the Jets. Robert Sala had to open Pandora's box and say, oh, anything's possible regarding the long-term starting quarterback. I'm like, are we really going this route right now? Is that the route you want to take after being the first quarterback ever to throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns in his first start to be the first quarterback? since Steve Young to trail double digits with five minutes left and win a football game in his first start, I'm thinking to myself, didn't he just draft Zach Wilson? Like, didn't Tony Romo just call Zach Wilson the next Patrick Mahomes like two months ago? I, I, I don't know, Jody. I just feel like we hype up everything now. It's, you know, I'm sure I can find some obscure stat on Trevor Simeon today to get Saints fans all riled up. He's, he's the guy. You know, you know, don't get Drew Brees. Don't get Cam Newton. Don't get Nick Foles. Stick with Trevor Simeon. Well, I'll give Mike White this much credit. I didn't see it coming. There's a reason that they traded for Flacco this week, because the Jets didn't see it coming either. No. Robert Salah can do the best 2020 hindsight he wants to and pump up Mike White. And more power to him. I'll say this. He's going to play on Thursday night. Jets play on Thursday night. If he wins, even if Wilson is ready, I'm giving Mike White another start. You rip oh, off two wins in a row, one of which you go 400 yards. Uh, unless he has like a Jets win a defensive nine seven struggle that he throws three picks in, if he's the winning quarterback for the Jets this week and has a decent game, he starts the next week for me. So I do agree with Robert Sala there. All right, he is Jeff Kerr. I'm Jordan McDonald with your Birds three sixty five guys. We still got a half an hour to chop up what the Birds did. Keep it right here on Birds three sixty five. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, 
injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. A victorious Monday victory lap for the Birds after their 44-6 win over the Detroit Lions. For those of you just tuning in, uh, we gave the Eagles plenty of props for their blowout win against the Detroit Lions. At least one of us here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel saw it coming. I had the Eagles winning by double digits. How many did you have uh, the Eagles winning by this week, Jeff Carr? <laughs> I did not have them winning at all, Jody Mack. Uh, I had them losing to the Detroit Lions this week. I thought karma was going to get the best of them this week. But I, I, I I'm still 6-2 and two on making Eagles pick. I'm on a two-game losing streak now. I'm starting to get like the Lions. Not too bad. I'm seven and one. And uh, yeah, uh, I was, well, I wasn't the only one who picked the Eagles. I was the only one who picked the Eagles to win in blowout fashion. And uh, I'd love to say I picked them by 38 points. No, I thought they were going to win by 10 or 14, maybe two touchdowns, not by as much as they did. Uh, and as we discussed with Paul Domowicz, who was on with us earlier, and if you missed Domo's interview, you go back and uh, watch it because as always, Domo, it's good. This is a little thing that's underrated. And it's been a long time since I was a player. Uh, like 35 years since uh, yours truly played some moves back in the day. But I remember it like it's yesterday. It's amazing. I played on some really good teams. I played on some really bad teams. It's funny. My uh, From 6th grade, 7th grade, 8th grade, uh, four years regular season basketball, we lost one game. Undefeated three of the four years. One year we went 14-1. and one. Um, or 15 and one, 16 games. My freshman year in high school, we were 0 and 16. So you talk about culture shock. I lost one game in four years. My first year in high school, we lost every game. We, we, we were one and 50. We won a forfeit because the other team couldn't play, but we lost every game that we played. So I've been on both ends of it. And it does when, when the guys on the bench get to play, everybody just feels better after the game. 
Uh, you, you know that you're one of the stars, you're one of the keys, you're going to decide whether you win or lose. But your good buddy is like the 10th the guy on the basketball team, and he doesn't always get in the games, or he shouldn't get in the games. My, my buddies used to get in all the time because we blew everybody out. But it just made everybody feel better, and I think that's an under-the-radar plus for the Eagles in yesterday's game. Everybody got a chance to play. Their backup offensive lineman, uh, uh, the, the mustache man, Gardner Minshew getting in and getting some snaps. Uh, Jordan Bradley on defense getting some quality snaps at linebacker for the Eagles. I think that's an underplayed aspect of yesterday's game. Fans love a blowout, but teams love blowouts too because they give everybody a chance to play. Well, my uh, sophomore year of high school, uh, we had our first winning season in 13 years, and we had a lot of blowout wins that year. First year head coach, and you know, I'm a young, promising player. I didn't think I was going to play at all sophomore year, but we blew out a lot of teams, so I played eight games. I, nice. I was like, I'm, I'm ecstatic, and lo and behold, it led to more playing time my junior year, led to starting senior year. It, it, it was one of those things. It was a snowball effect, and you're right. It does help when you blow out teams and, and not in the losing variety and the winning variety because i think it does help in the long run you're right you see a guy like sean bradley get in um kenny gainwell gets those valuable carries uh up the mill that he would not have gotten in the first and second quarter yesterday uh, you know but he does get those reps and you know jj artega whiteside was out yesterday i believe but you know he would have gotten reps it, 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 a lot of guys jack stole even like you know this is your number two tight end now uh, people seem to forget that. And you know, you got guys like Brett Toth coming in. Uh, I remember when they pulled Hertz from intro, I'm like, well, Brett Toth's in, so the backups are in. I'm like, well, sooner or later at some point this year, this team is going to have to rely on Brett Toth, you know, for a couple of plays or whatever. So you get that valuable experience. So, yeah, I'm with you, Jody. I, I actually think it is valuable when you get to play guys in a blowout win like that. I and mean, when you get to pull your starter with what? What was it, 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter? It's a pretty big deal. Um, You know, I, I'm pretty – I, I, again, it, it, the snowball effect does help. Uh, yeah, I was the opposite of you, Joey. So my um, eighth grade year, my first year playing football, we were really good, but we only had 16 kids. So we were 0-10. Next year, you know, we I, my freshman year, we sucked. We were 1-9. We won a game 8-6. to six, And I was furious because we only won 8-6. to six. We should have beaten by like 20 points, but is what is. And then, you know, I transferred to a different school. We win football games all the time. It's you know, it, it was definitely a lot different. But again, that whole losing culture, that losing mentality, you know how you get rid of that? Convincing wins. It it, it really does kind of switch the I, – I want to say – how can I word it? Not the momentum, but the the feel of the locker room. It's it's Detroit definitely had that feeling yesterday. It was not us again. You know, Annie, the Eagles didn't get that. Here's where uh, Nick Sirianni scores big points. For me, and I think with his locker room as well, uh, they had played hard throughout for him. I'm not questioning that they were on the precipice of quitting and or him losing the locker room because I don't believe that's the case. But you could always add strength in your belief by your players with a uh, good week's game plan and a, a good uh, positioning of your players in a spot where they can win. Nick Sirianni showed flexibility this week. He had talked a good game about oh, we're just a uh, burgeoning flower and some are water and some are fertilizer. We now know the infamous speech that he gave. Well, he's allowed to give another speech again this week. I don't know where he's going to go. He may go, Rome wasn't built in a day or a month or a week. I don't know. He may go compound interest uh, on your money when you put it away. 
I don't know where he's going to go, but he gets to because when he gave the flower speech this week, guys like me, a lot of us rolled our eyes. What the hell is he talking about? Even though we understood where he was attempting to go, he wasn't doing, doing a very good job getting there. He did this week. And he did so with his players. We can have our opinions on it here. Bird 365, WIP, The Inquirer, whatever. Anybody, Eagles fans, checking in on the phones, on Twitter, wherever else. The only ones that really matter are the players. Nick Sirianni has to put it out there for public consumption. That's part of your job as the coach of the Eagles. You must let the fans know what you think you're trying to do and accomplish. But don't kid yourself. He's more talking to the guys in that room. Even when he's facing Jeff Kerr and John McMullen, Jeff McClain, everybody else on a uh, either live or on a Zoom call, he's talking to his players. And I don't know if the flower speech got through or whatever, but it worked because they played better and he showed more flexibility. He talked about making changes and we've got to react and I thought it might just all be Pappen and him wordplay and everybody. No, he actually went out and did it by allowing his players to do things. He, he ran the ball and ran it again and ran it again, something he hadn't shown the willingness and desire to do the first seven games. I think Nick Sirianni scored points with not only the fan base here in town with this win, but I think he scored a lot of points with his players too. How about you? Oh, I, I agree. And, you know, last week was – yeah, they played hard at the end of the game and did not make that a blowout, the blowout that it was, and kudos to them. But you could tell, like, those guys were frustrated. You know, Jason Kelsey, where he deserved the penalty or not, he did not. Um, he was frustrated with, with that result. Fletcher Cox was frustrated right after the game, you know, with, with John Fagan and what he was doing. And I, I honestly think those guys sat in there with those coaches, and those coaches listened to them. And that's a big positive. And you remember the Chip Kelly years. That's why those players were always so upset. Deshaun Jackson, LaShawn McCoy, all those guys. Kelly, I listen to him. Well, no, I'm the reason you're winning games, not you. And Nick Sirianni, I think, does, you know, the anti-approach where, no, you guys are going to be the reason why I win a football game. Tell me what you need to do to win said football game. I'm sure Fletcher Cox said, look, have a split more. You know, you, you need to do this. You know, you need to help us out here. You know, you need you need to help our cornerbacks. You need to help our linebackers, you know. And John Gann did listen to him. And same with Nick Sirianni. I, I think that – you know, who knows if Jalen Hurts when the next area and say, hey, Nick, you know, got to run the ball a little bit, man. I mean, we just do. We're getting a little too pass happy here with the bubble screens and whatnot. And, you know, and like he said, Monday he knew he could run the football. So either he's talking to players or they had a coach's meeting or they were watching the film or a combination of all of them. But, yeah, I definitely think it was if you did like a stock watch on Nick Sirianni going into the week, you bought low, but – it definitely trended up, especially with, with the 53 guys in that locker room, plus the 12 to 14 guys on that practice squad. And I think that's really going to help this team, not only this year, but going forward. It, it, it felt like, you know, when Andy Reid won that first game against the Cowboys in 1999, like you could see those guys, they were starting to believe in this coach and they were starting to play for this coach. And that's definitely something they've been doing with Nick Sirianni this year. Let me ask you about this with Sirianni. Um, one of the post-game interviews, I think it was with Johnny Clark on NBC late night after the game was over and done with. He said that he actually ran the football as much as he did, in part because his offensive line coming off the field, uh, almost to a man, came over to him and said, this is working. We're, we're, we're on a roll. Let's continue to do this. We're, we're we're just eating them up along the offensive line. 
put this on our backs and let us take um, take this team home. Uh, I'm sure that that was actually what transpired. I don't think Nick would make that up because if they didn't, they'd all look at each other. Who the hell is he? Tell you? Did you go over to him? And uh, that wouldn't that wouldn't play real well. So I'm sure guys did that. The key is that he listened and he bought into it. Do you think that was the case that he's the kind of guy who will be open to listening to his players when they come off the field and then take their advice and implement it into his game plan? Oh, I think so. I think that's what sold him on, you know, the, the brain trust that hired him in the first place. I think he shows he's a guy like, look, he's only 40 years old. So he's not that far off from some of these players here. And look, he's a young guy and, yeah, the analogies are quirky and some of the press conferences are quirky. But at the end of the day, I think he is willing to sit down and talk to players and just say, hey, look, you know, what do you need? Are you happy right now? It's almost like, you know, a really good boss or a good CEO. Like, look, what can I do better? You know, what can I do to help you out? And I'm sure he takes the, the opinions of Jalen Hurts, Fletcher Cox, Darius Slay, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, all these guys. Seriously, like I'm sure when Lane Johnson had his – mental health um, issues, he was telling Nick about it. And Nick said, you got to take time you need, man. Like, like, don't let this thing bottle up. I, I think a lot of, like, what Lane Johnson was going through, Nick Sirianni helped him with that. And, again, I think that gains the respect of that locker room. It's like, look, this guy is here for us. He's here to back us up. He's not going to throw us under the bus. He's going to take the heat on himself. And, look, that's one thing I really liked about this week, even though I did pick the Eagles to lose – this head coach de- definitely took all the deflection off of Jonathan Gannon after starting the week, you know, saying he needs to improve and needs to do this, needs to adjust with the flower comment. And yeah, Nick and I may have been laughing to sleep saying, you know what? Everybody's all not getting on Jalen Hurts. They're not getting on this guy. They're getting on me for a flower analogy I said in the locker room. So yeah, I, I actually think, you know, his, you know, his players listen. They do, uh, you know, uh, not his player. Like he listens to his players. That that is one thing I think he does really well. Whether he knows the the X's and O's, it's one of those things to me at, at the very at the very least that he has the trust of his players and his players trust in him. I, I think that's going to be huge for them in the second half of the year. And checking in on the stream today is a guy whose name you may recognize, Barrett Brooks. Says they could have been running the ball all year. I'm not disagreeing with him. <laughs> Spoken like a true offensive lineman who would rather run block than pass block every day of the week and twice on Sundays. We're hearing you, Barrett. Thanks for checking in. But he's right. They could have been running the ball more. Not to the extent they did yesterday. Part of the reason why they ran it as much as they did yesterday was the Lions are terrible against the run. The Lions are terrible, period. But they're especially terrible at defending the run, and the Eagles had the capability to run the ball down the throat of their throat, and they did. Now, next week against the Chargers. The Chargers are as bad, if not worse. Statistically, they're actually they worse. worse against the run than Detroit is. I'm not sure if they actually are. But the stats are the stats, and the Eagles should do that. Here's the difference between the Chargers and, and the Lions. And that's why this upcoming game is going to be closer than this past game. Going way out on a limb here. Nobody's winning by 38 points in this upcoming game. Um, 
the Chargers can move the ball on offense. Herbert is good. They've got offensive weapons. They're not going to uh, roll over and die like the Lions did offensively yesterday. So if the Lions, uh, if the Rams are scoring, the Chargers are scoring points, the Eagles are going to have to reply in kind and try and score points of their own. Now you can do that running the ball. It takes a little bit longer. It isn't instantaneous the way that some offensive pass plays can be. But don't give up on it, Nick. Stick with it next week, even if the, the Chargers should get out to a little bit of a lead. Do you think Sirianni's got that kind of gumption? Well, I think he should. And this is one thing when I got to see the Chargers in person a couple of weeks ago. You got guys like Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, and Devonta Freeman just pounding the football down your throat. And keep in mind, the Ravens do have Lamar Jackson, but the Eagles have a guy, have a running quarterback in Jalen Hurts too. They can do this, no matter if it's Boston Scott or Jordan Howard or Kenny Gainwell or whoever it's going to be next week. They have to stay committed to it. You know, they they, they just can't abandon it because they're getting two or three yard runs. Uh, you know, Bar- Barrett's talking about running the ball. I actually just watched an Eagles game where Barrett's getting frustrated they're not running the ball, and he was playing in the game. So <laughs> it, it was against the Pampers in 1996. You know, Ray Rose all of a sudden decided, oh, I'm not going to give the ball to Ricky Mars anymore. I'm just going to throw the ball to Ty Depper all day long. And you can see, like, him and Joe Panos, they're just shaking their heads like, come on, man, just pound the football. Give us a break so we're not going three and out route here. And I, yeah, it's definitely a, an offensive lineman speak here, but the Eagles can pound the football and they have offensive linemen. Like, look, they were hyping up Nate Herbig yesterday. Like, no, tomorrow. Like, look, Nate's been in this league. Nate's a good guard and he can run block. So run the football. And, you know, Jason Kelsey, the same way, he made his reputation in this league as a good run block and center. Jordan Milano, we know what he can do when you get him to the second level. Same with Lane Johnson. It's, they have to stay committed. They, they they have to against the Chargers defense. You know, extend the drive. Keep Justin Herbert and that big play offense off the field. The Chargers are really good in 20-plus yard plays. Find a way to keep Justin Herbert cold. How do you do that? Run the football, control time of possession. It's old school thinking, but guess what? Old school thinking, it works, especially against a team like the Chargers. And Driscoll got hurt yesterday. We'll hopefully find out more about that today. Hopefully it's not a long-term injury because I think he's done a nice job and I continue to go back 2020 hindsight, but I stand by my judgment. Um, they, they never should have moved uh, my over to the right. They just should have left Driscoll out there because Herbig is a good backup guard. We talk about it all the time here. Johnny Mack uh, pounds on it more than I do, but he likes the Eagles depth along their offensive line, that that is one of the strengths of this team and uh, I agree with him, but he's even more strong in that belief that guys can fill in when need be along the offensive line if they position him correctly, which is Herbig at guard and, and not moving a Mylotta from a left side to a right side. That just didn't work. Uh, but hopefully Driscoll's good because uh, I think he's done well. And I, I see his season, which is a nice progression season, be curtailed because of an injury. But if it is, They'll be okay next week with Herbig filling in. He did a really nice job opening up holes uh, yesterday on the Eagles' offensive line. All right, defensive line. Got home six times yesterday, Jeff Carr. Six times, six sacks, their biggest uh, sack game in, in years, as a matter of fact. And part of it was because they blitzed. Even though all six were by down defensive linemen, which means none of the blitzers actually got sacks. If you watch the tape, you watch the game, you know that the blitzers opened up the possibility for the D-lineman to make that play. 
Jonathan Gannon showed flexibility. We know he's not a blitz guy. We know he likes to play the cover two zone and just send his front four. We can't really complain because, oh, we used to get blitzes all the time. No, we didn't under Jim Schwartz. So it's the same, but the zone has been softer. Coming out of nowhere, a whole bunch of blitzes. T.J. Edwards getting that much more playing time and being used as a blitz guy. Tip of the cap to Jonathan Gannon. He showed a lot of flexibility. Was this a one-week wonder thing? We're going to catch him off guard because Gannon talked a lot about it when the season started. Deception. We're going to be a team that you're not going to see what's coming. Well, the Lions didn't see what's coming, but the Lions are also not very good. Um, do you think this marks a turn in John and Jonathan Gannon's philosophy? Or, And I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying it could be just a one-week wonder thing because they needed to win as badly as they are against the Lions. How do you read into Jonathan Gannon's uh, changing on the fly the defense for this week's game? Well, they better do it next week because um, Storm Norton is not good at right tackle. And Josh Quick can have a field day against him, and there's one way to do that. Send five, send six, send five, send six guys. I know the, the Chargers have Corey Lindsley, really good center, all pro last year. But – and um, – we all know how good Rashad Slayer has been. I mean, really, if they picked a real offensive rookie of the year outside of Jamar Chase, it'd probably be Rashad Slayer, but they don't pick offensive line. That's how good he's been at left tackle. But that right side of the Chargers line, you can come after, and you can come after quick. And I think the way to free up Josh and Derek Barnett, and I hope John McGann learned this yesterday, blitz people. So they're not getting a, a double team on the outside when they're rushing. And, you know, we don't have to make the joke. Derek Barnett has as many sacks in this room as you and I do, you know, we don't have to do that anymore. So I'm looking at it as, please, I, I'm begging you. I, I said this with Nick Sirianni with the motion. He actually ran motion yesterday. He actually did play action. John again, please listen to your own players and watch your own film. It does work when you blitz. It, it would have worked against Tom Brady to an extent because the Saints blitzed him yesterday and got him out of his little comfort zone. And Brady had a couple turns. Look, look, you can look. Justin Herbert can throw for 400 yards Sunday. I'm okay with that. But they can get two to three turnovers, and it determines the outcome of the game. That's the NFL now. So, again, Justin Herbert's going to beat you because he's a good quarterback. But he also doesn't do that well under pressure. So the Eagles have to find a way to get him uncomfortable and get him rolling out a little bit. And, yeah, he can run, which scares me. But I would blitz him again. I would not rush four. I would not play that soft zone, you know. I would not let those long methodical drives happen. I, I'd say, you know, if we get a big play to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, so be it. I think your analysis is spot on. I don't know how uh, the Eagles defense coordinator is going to respond because he does like to keep the other quarterback from blowing up. And he's done a good job. Shoot, uh, Derek Carr, even in the unbelievable game that he had, wasn't making down the field 45, 50-yard throws. It was all the under stu underneath stuff. And I think now that they're facing another quarterback that merits respect. Sorry, Jared Goff, you just don't merit respect. But the way you were playing, the fact that you went to the Super Bowl with the, Lions, the Rams a couple of years ago doesn't factor into yesterday's game. The Eagles coaching staff didn't look at it that way. I think they're going to show Herbert the respect that he's earned. And I, I admit he's, he deserves a ton of respect. Some people have already put him up here, which annoys me. He's a year and a half in the league and have already elevated him to can't like status. I'm not going there, but he is a very good quarterback who's had a very good year and a half to this point. 
I fear that Jonathan Gannon is going to fall back into his comfort zone, which is, all right, we're going to back up. We're going to give him the underneath stuff. As long as he's not beating us down the field and we can just wait for that big play. And they got one yesterday. They got a strip sack, touchdown, return, Darius Slay uh, finally paid off. They've been waiting for weeks for something like that to happen. It finally did. I fear that Jonathan Gannon, I have more faith. Let me put it this way. See if you agree. I have more faith in Nick Sirianni sticking with he did, running the football, playing the uh, the, the strength against strength game, and uh, just challenging the other team to stop you by handing off the football than I am about Jonathan Gannon playing an aggressive game where he's bringing blitzers. I got more faith that Sirianni does what he did in this blowout win this week, next week, than I do the D.C. How about you? Yeah, I'm kind of the same way, Jody. And uh, look, I want to see Gannon do this next week for one reason, one reason only. Justin Herbert is the best quarterback you're going to face until you see Dak Prescott in what, week 15, week 16? They're not 18. facing him. Last week of the season. Yeah, last week of the season. There you go. See, I'm even off there. You are not facing a good quarterback after Justin Herbert. So do what you did this week. Show you could do this against a good quarterback. I Again, I don't care if he beats them for 80-yard touchdowns. If he does, he does. But you're going to get home on a couple of these plays, and you're going to get him to get arrogant and force something. Because, again, young quarterbacks do do this. Patrick Mahomes does it. And he's the best quarterback in the league. Maybe not this year, but he's overall talent. He's the best quarterback in the league. So, yeah, you have to put – like, I don't – Look, I know he could do it against Jared Goff. He'll do it against Teddy Bridgewater. He'll do it against Trevor Simeon. He'll do it against Daniel Jones and Dale Reineke. I don't care. They're not good quarterbacks. Justin Herbert's a really good quarterback. Do it against him. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you lose. Do it against him and show that you're not afraid of these guys. Because that's what has bothered me about John Fagan. Like, I think you're letting Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes pick you apart. Show no fear when you play these guys. I don't I don't want to hear about your talent or your personnel now. We're in week nine. I don't care anymore. You are what you are. But at least show some backbone and say, you know what, Justin Herbert? We are not letting you go 32 for 40 for 350. Oh, and by the way, your team scored 38 points anyway. Let him go 20 for 39 for 350 and give a couple touchdowns there with a couple picks. That's all I'm asking. Very good point by JG there, um, JK there. Uh, coming up on the Eagles schedule, two Daniel Jones games, two Taylor Heineke games, a Teddy Bridgewater game, a potential Trevor Simeon game. Oh, but they are facing the immortal Mike White. Be, beware the Jets. And Mr. White. Will Mike his... White be the quarterback, though, when they face the Jets? Yeah! He's going to win. When the Jets are going to rip off a buzz that way. How many games the Eagles got? One, two, three, four, four. So, yeah, four more wins in a row from Mike White. Five and oh, Jets going to be yeah. on five yeah, game yeah, wins. Yeah, 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 I remember this, Jody. Jets only beat first place teams. Eagles are definitely not that. Ah, shoot, you're right about that. Took out the Titans, took down the Bengals. Everybody else there, they're, they're 2 and 0 against divisional leaders. 0-5 against the rest of the National Football League. But that was without Mike White. Beware. They do win at home. So that's a, that's a trap game, Jody. The immortal Mike White. All right, he's Jeff Kerr. I'm Jody McDonald. We'll take our final timeout. Come back, put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. <laughs>
Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Metson Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Jeff Curran for John McMullen. Hey, Mac, you back tomorrow. Uh, coming back from Detroit, so I could not find with it today. Fear not, you'll get your Johnny Mac fill tomorrow. Uh, your JK did a great job filling in for us today with me, Jody Mac, here on Birds 365. All right, the Eagles ran the ball as effectively as they did. We'll hear today, I think, uh, some pride from anybody who gets a chance to speak. It'll be Nick Sirianni, and then you get some players as the week goes on. Um, coming up with a big game against the Chargers this week. I think they will stay true to the run game. You know, I finally, I kind of feel bad for, I do want to give him, uh, uh, at least they mentioned in today's game, uh, today's show, your boy, Miles Sanders, because had the Eagles done this previously this year, I think that this, the apple could have, uh, turned faster that I think Miles Sanders was capable of doing that. And they just chose not to run the ball. Uh, as much as they did yesterday, he's not even around for on the week that the Eagles finally go, all right, we're committing to the run. Miles Sanders is watching on the sideline. Kind of feel bad for Miles Sanders today. In fairness to Nick, he kind of did commit to the run the week before with Miles Sanders had like five carries for like 25 yards on a touch or the touchdown or whatever he had um, that first drive. And then he got hurt. So, you know, on the screenplay or whatever, but yeah, I did think that was kind of ironic and, I, I always laugh because whenever I tweet about Miles Sanders and like how he's 30 NFL yards per touch since he's entered the league and all these 
obscure Miles Sanders facts like that. He always seems to retweet them. It's almost like he's telling Nick, Nick, run the ball, Nick, run the ball. Look what I can do. And you know, it's just one of those funny things with, with Miles Sanders. And God, I wish he would have played yesterday because it, it, it could have felt like that Bills game in 2019 when him and Jordan Howard just ran for 200 off them and they just, uh, you know, beat the crap out of Buffalo in Buffalo. And I, I don't know, Jody, it's, I kind of hope he does this whenever Miles Sanders comes back. I, he's got, what, another two games before, before he's eligible to come back? And I don't think he comes back to what, after the bye week? And I, I, When's our bye week? It's week 12? It's a late bye week this year. Somewhere there, about it's 14, week 14. 14, oh, yeah, it's a really late. Yeah, he'll be back before that, man. So, right. yeah, it's one of those where I, I just hope he, he stays to his word, and I agree with you. I think he will because I think he knows – the situation is dealing with here. And he knows that's their best chance to win football games right now. He's not disguising the quarterback. That's what good coaches do. They use their, the strengths to their players. And Jalen Hurts can run the ball. Jordan Howard can run the football. Boston Scott can run the football. Roll with it. All right. Let me uh, give you a chance to win back the audience here, Jeff Card, despite the fact that you picked the Lions to beat the Eagles this week. I, Monday I night football action tonight. Kansas City Chiefs against the New York Giants. I know your overall thoughts about the New York Giants, their team, their coach, and the like. How about the Giants pulling an upset against the Chiefs tonight? Not happening. Uh, not. I'm sorry. It is not happening. If the Giants beat the Chiefs, I'll give up on Kansas City. I'm sorry. Uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes should smoke this team. I don't care how bad their defense is. I don't want to hear about the Giants are turning their season around because they beat the Carolina Panthers and Sam Darnold. Who gives a crap? You know, the Eagles beat the Panthers. Uh, again, it's – they should kill this team. This is the get-right game for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm still a little upset Dallas beat Minnesota, even though I kind of figured it was going to happen just because Dallas seems like that team of destiny this year. I still don't think that the Cowboys are as great as people make them out to be. I still think Tampa's better. I still think the Rams are better. I think the Packers are better than them. It's They're a good team in a loaded conference, but come talk to me when they win playoff games. That, that's fair, and I did not see it coming with Cooper Rush. I thought they were a lock with Dak Prescott when I thought he was going to play. Ends up he doesn't play. Uh, tip of the cap to Cooper Rush and the, the entire Cowboys team for being able to win that game with a quarterback who's been on the team for about a decade and a half and just seems to never get into a game. He got in, started, and sure enough, got a win. So I, I got one for you, Jody. Your yeah. boy Mike White. You know the Cowboys cut him for, ready, Clayton Thorson. Really? Yep. <laughs> I did not know that. I know at one point they uh, put Ben DiNucci into games before Cooper Rush, and we saw Ben last year, thank you very much, in a very ugly Eagle season. At least they had Ben DiNucci to thank for a W. Uh, good for Cooper Rush. It uh, should be a fun game tonight. I think they're going to be a ton of points scored. And, oh, by the way, I've said this basically on every show I've done for, it seems like, uh, six weeks now. I give the NFL both credit and give them good luck. The primetime games always are great. Every Even the stinky Thursday night, the matchup looks bad on paper. And Thursday, we don't really need. The game hangs in the balance till the very end. This thing Thursday night should be good just because of the Mike White effect. Everybody wants to see what Mike White's going to do on Thursday. I remember last week, I got the Jets and the Colts. Who gives a crap? Now I'm excited. Uh, last night couldn't get any better right down to the end the cooper catch to lift them the victory i would not be surprised if tonight's game is good for 
All right, about three quarters. I think the Chiefs will pull away. Neither you or I are picking the Giants tonight. But I think there'll be a whole bunch. You like points scored? There'll be a whole bunch of points scored tonight because Patrick Mahomes is going to do plenty in the Giants. Chiefs defense stinks. So even Daniel Jones may be able to put some points on the board. Uh, good luck uh, to both the Chiefs and the Giants tonight. Uh, Jeff Kerr, um, I'm not going to get a chance to talk to you for a bit because I'll be here tomorrow. Johnny Mack will be with us. And then I've got a uh, family wedding that I need to attend to. So I'm going to miss a bunch of shows this week. Don't know if you'll be on with uh, Johnny Mack or you'll come in and do a guest spot. I'll probably get you next Monday. Oh, no, Eagles are home, so Johnny yeah, Mack will be here. I'll talk to you down the road, Jeff Carr. I just want to thank you very much. You did a great job with us here again today. Look forward to doing it with you again down the road. Yeah, you and me both got ways on. My college roommate's getting married this weekend. So, yeah, very it's nice. It's going to be a cool. fun time. Um, you know, Hopefully, I'm back in time for the Eagles game. Um, We'll, we'll see, but it's, it's going to be an interesting Friday and Saturday. I'll say that. Enjoy, my friend. Uh, and I will enjoy being back here tomorrow with Johnny Mack. 22 hours from now, that much closer to the trade deadline. I'm Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.